0: Story you want to tell hey everybody, good morning. Welcome to Coastal. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, great to have you with us today. Um, we've already had a great morning uh, already this morning in our first service, and uh, just loving uh, the vibe already in uh, in the second service. Um how, how many of you noticed the uh, the new golf cart that we got? Did you check that out this morning? Anybody get a ride over the golf cart? Okay, a few lazy people. That's great. No, I'm no, just teasing. Um, hey, uh, that will come in real handy next week uh, for the big day when we really encourage everybody to park where? Okay, over in Oakland, across the street. Uh, let's make, uh, leave our best, closest parking uh, for all of our guests that you're going to be bringing with you uh, next Sunday. Um, several years ago, I had a meeting uh with a guy that um that I'll never soon forget. Um uh he was leaving the church. And uh this guy was the was the husband uh of a couple who had been involved uh in our church at that point for several years. And I think outwardly if you were to meet this couple you would assume that they were uh more mature in their faith. Uh it was obvious they had been involved in church uh, for a number of years, or at least a large portion of their adult life, uh, they were at this point involved in ministry. You know, in other words, they were volunteering, serving. Uh, they were giving regularly. They, I'm sure they read their Bibles regularly and, and uh, had been involved in a lot of small groups over the years. But uh, they were leaving our church. And uh, he called this meeting to tell me that, and uh, they would not be uh, coming back. Now, I've been the pastor uh, you know, here at Coastal for 25 years, and I've learned that people leave churches for all kinds of reasons. Uh, that's not really what made this particular meeting so uh, memorable. The reason that I'll never forget this particular meeting with this particular guy leaving our church was the reason that he gave for uh, their departure. Now, uh, first of all, he wanted me to know that, he, that they loved me, which, uh, you know, that's always nice when someone's, you know, leaving. But we love you, Pastor Chris, you know. And, uh, and then uh, he also wanted me to know that, that you're great. You know, he loved you, the people of our church. Y'all, nothing wrong with you all. You all are awesome. Um, you know, love my messages, love uh, the style of our, of our ministry. Nothing wrong there. Um, but the reason that uh, they would be leaving the church and not coming back was that the church was now growing and we were reaching people. Uh, no joke, no lie. That's exactly what he told me. And, uh, and he knew that that uh, meant that changes were coming and, and uh, they kind of liked things the way that they were. And now that we were actually growing and people were coming, uh, they would not be coming back. And, and honestly, I just sat there and I was like dumbfounded. I mean, it's not very often that Pastor Chris is speechless, but I was. I was like, wow. Because um, he was just, you know, really matter of a fact about the whole thing. And, and I was absolutely dumbfounded. And, uh, you know, at first when he was talking, other than my mouth like open wide, I'm sure, I was like, Wow. You know, and you know, really, and I almost like got him to repeat it again, and um, and you know, he was a little taken aback by my my response, and he was like, well, you know, what do you mean? What's 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 wrong pastor do you not understand like no 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 I, i i understand i hear you loud and clear it's just that i'm never sure i've ever met anybody who would actually say that you know at least not out loud and i found myself wanting to pull away from him as the lightning you know would probably be striking any moment and you know i even asked him like well you know what church you know have you already, you, you ever found a church that you're going to? Oh yeah. And he told me the name of the church that he was going to. And of course, you know, I knew the pastor at that church and, uh, I kind of snickered. He was like, what? And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure their church wants to grow too. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're the only ones around here that, you know, want to reach people and, and grow. But, uh, anyway, seriously, we talked for a few more minutes and, and, uh, he gave me a hug and that was that. And he walked out the door they've never been back. And uh, now the truth is, again, you know, over 25 years, I've, I've met a lot and lot of, lots and lots and lots of people, and, uh, and lots of people, you know, who leave churches for a lot of different reasons, but I've met a lot of people who, while I don't think they would ever say that out loud, you know, or, or they would never admit it, that that was the reason, um, but the truth is they don't like change. And they definitely don't like the change, and you know that happens when when churches start reaching new people and, and growth, you know, and all of that all of that it brings to a church. Now again, I you know I get it, and I I do understand where maybe some of the pushback comes from. I mean I understand that you know there are people who think to themselves, yeah, but you know come on, Pastor Chris, in, in large churches, you know they. Larger churches, they have a tendency to be a little bit, you know, more impersonal. And, and sometimes, you know, it's all about the numbers. And, and, and I don't want to be a number anymore. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to just be a number. And so I hear that. And listen, yes, obviously, you know, we do talk about numbers here at Coastal. You know, we, we count the attendance. You know, I, I believe, I mean, I really believe that next Sunday, we are very easily going to break 500 in attendance. Um, I, I believe that when our new building is built, and if you 're new, you might not be aware of this, but we 're getting ready to build uh, a, a brand new building right over there in that field, uh, hopefully very soon we 'll be breaking ground on that, and when that thing is built, I have no doubt very quickly we 're going to be a church of like seven to eight hundred people. I believe. That by the year 2020, in just six years, by the way, and so when you first say that 2020, sounds like it's a long ways away, but it's not. But in just six years, I believe that we have the potential to be a church of over 2,000 people. So we count, we talk about numbers here. But you know, listen, we also uh, count and talk about the numbers of people that are serving the numbers of people that are involved in ministry, the numbers of people that are involved in a life group, the numbers of uh, kids that we have in children's ministry, in student ministry. So why? I mean, let's lay it all out on the, on the table today. Why? Why talk about numbers? Why count? Why is that even, even a big deal whatsoever? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons today. At least this is true uh, for Coastal. First of all, and most importantly, every single one of those numbers is a person, is a person. You know, every number that we talk about is a real human being with a face, you know, with a a name and a family, and most importantly, hear this loud and clear today, with an eternal destiny. And we happen to believe here at Coastal that every one of them deserves the opportunity to, uh, to hear about the love of Jesus, to hear the gospel of Christ. And to make a decision for themselves of whether or not they're going to turn their life over to him, give their allegiance over to Jesus. I mean, seriously, what if we happen to say, okay, come on, let's just forget about the new building. You know, forget about, you know, changes, forget about hiring more staff. I mean, forget about, uh, I mean, let's just, let's just save the money. I mean, because the building's going to be an expensive tool, and and uh, you know the truth is, Pastor Chris, I don't know the people. I don't know the names of the people who are coming to church now. You know, we're a church of like four hundred, and, and so if we grow, I'm never going to know everybody. And oh my goodness, you know, the welcome center, man, it's starting to get crowded. You know, between like second and third, and second and, and first, and second, and <gasps> sometimes we run out of chocolate milk. You know, I mean, come on. You know, And the, the women's bathroom that we expanded, you know, sometimes it's already getting crowded. Women in there take a long time. They're, you know, getting themselves all ready and it's a crowd. I mean, let's just, in fact, let's no longer worry about growing larger. How about this? Let's grow deeper. That sounds really good. Now, because what we're really saying If we say that, is that the rest of the world, the rest of our community, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you drive past on Sunday morning, all of them, all of the people in your family who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus, we're basically saying at that point, they can all go straight to hell. Now, let me ask you a question. I've asked this before, and I'm serious about it today. I want you to think about this. What is truly more important to you? That you know everyone and that everybody knows your name or that everyone has a chance to know the name of Jesus. I mean, what is it supposed to be all about? I mean, by the way, that is why it is so important that as our church grows larger, you know, on Sunday morning in a crowd, in influence and impact, that we keep making an emphasis on growing smaller at the same time through our what? What do we call them here at Coastal? Our life groups. We want more and more people to get involved in community here. In other words, you and I don't need to know everybody, but we do need to know a group of people that we can grow with and do life with. So first of all, every single number. When you hear us talk about numbers, every number represents a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. And if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. Number two, God wants His church to grow. It's important to God. He wants the church to keep reaching people. In fact, let's listen to this verse. This verse is in the context of, you know, Jesus returning, by the way. His second coming. And 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. Again, talking about His return. As some people understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting who? What's the word? Anyone. Anyone, Not wanting anyone to perish, but who? Say it out loud. Everyone. Say it again. Who? Who? everyone to come to repentance. In other words, the only reason the sky was not split in half last night and the trumpet blew and Jesus did not return is because God wants more and more people to come to know him. He's giving you time. He's giving me time. He's giving churches like ours time to keep reaching out to more and more people because he says he wants every one to come to repentance. In fact, listen, you can hardly read through uh, the history of the early church. In fact, I would challenge you at some point, read through the book of Acts in your Bible. It's basically a history book uh, of the story of the early church. And if you read through the book of Acts over and over and over again, they talk about numbers. They talk about growth. In fact, uh, again, you can hardly read through chapter after chapter without hearing it over and over and over again. Let me give you a real small sampling. Chapter 2, verse forty-one. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about how many? How many souls? 3,000. Verse 47. And the Lord was adding to their what? Their number day by day, those who were being saved. Chapter 4. Many of those who had heard the message believed and the what? The number of the men came to to be about 5,000. And again, keep reading. I could read just verse after verse after verse through the book of Acts. It says things like the church increased in number. The Lord added to their number. Let me throw a number out there this morning. What if you had a business that was losing $50,000 a day? Would that get your attention? Man, you better believe it would, wouldn't it? I mean, would you do everything in your power to change some things, to turn that thing around, to to stop that loss. Of course you would. I mean, absolutely you would. I would too. We all would. I read a statistic the other day and uh, seriously, it bothered me. And it still bothers me. And it's one of those things that where it kind of it, it keeps me up at night i mean I, I read it i 've mulled over it i 'll wake up in the middle of the night and I, and I still find myself thinking about it. Here it is: fifty thousand people die every single day without knowing Jesus now you know i 've taken statistics, I understand you know. You, know, you read that number and you're not really sure. You know, how can they prove that? And where does that come from? Or just forget all that for a second. Just listen to this one more time. 50,000 people die every single day without knowing Jesus. The kingdom of God loses 50,000 men, women, students every day. And those people don't don't simply cease to exist. You know, they don't just disappear into some sort of fog or mist. They will spend An eternity, forever separated from God, in a very real place called hell. And I know you you know, you might think, well, Pastor Chris, you know, is that really true? That's a big number. And if it is true, my goodness. Fifty thousand people, you know, really, I'm just I'm just one person and we're just one church. I mean, how in the world could we ever make a difference in a number like that? And that's what I've been thinking all week long. And then the answer hit me. And, it, and it's kind of simple, but here's what I kept coming back to. One life at a time. Because one of these days, included in that, that 50,000, might be your best friend, your dad, your mom, the guy that uh, is in the cubicle next to yours, the student in the in the desk next to yours, and I think, you know what? We can start with them, and the ripple effect of of one life at a time. We can make a difference. And so today. As we. Prepare for you know the big day next Sunday. And I, you know what every Sunday is a big day here at Coastal. Every day is a chance to. Point people to Jesus. But I want us to talk about this. And I want to. I want to expand your, your mind a little bit Today. And I want to look at at least three things that I think can help make a dent in that number by looking at an encounter that Jesus had with a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And it's one of my favorite stories. I referred to it actually just a couple of weeks ago in my message. And it's a story that over the years we have looked at before. But I want to challenge all of us today, very practically, to do something. I want to challenge you to pray And I want to challenge you to invite and bring somebody to church next Sunday. Now, let me set the stage. Jesus got about a week left on on this planet. Uh, He's on his way to Jerusalem. And he stops off in this little town by by the name of Jericho. It's just just northeast of Jerusalem. And again, it's about a week from him being arrested, uh, tried, and crucified. Uh, A crowd has gathered to hear him and that's been happening a lot lately people are very interested in this man jesus and what he has to say and what he's been doing and so in this crowd if you've ever been to children's church you know we refer to him as the what the wee little man is in the crowd zacchaeus and uh here's what we know about zacchaeus he is wealthy uh he is very well known But it would be very, very difficult for me today to to overstate just how hated and despised he was. And it was the reason he was hated and despised, many reasons, but basically, he was the tax man, okay? He worked for the IRS, but it goes so much deeper than that. What, What that meant was that Zacchaeus, who was a Jewish man, he actually partnered with the hated Romans. Okay. In essence, he basically bought a, think about like a tax collection franchise from the Roman government. And so he was considered a traitor, worse than a traitor. You know, raise your hand this morning if you like to pay taxes. Is there a moron here this morning? Okay. No, you know, no, nobody, you know, nobody likes to pay taxes. Okay. Well, the Jewish people 2000 years ago hated paying taxes. I mean, but more than just you know, kind of a normal system of government, they hated it because they had to give money to a government that had conquered them. And was occupying their land. And so they actually believed that it dishonored God to pay taxes to Rome. And so the tax collectors made this happen. And then there was the whole way in which the taxes were collected. Because the tax code, you know, was a little vague back then. And so tax collectors basically employed hitmen, okay, thugs, to go and collect the taxes, just to extort as much money as they could. And so Rome would take whatever they wanted, and then tax collectors would tax you know, above and beyond and keep whatever they wanted to keep. And so they were hated for it. In fact, the term tax collector was actually synonymous to the word sinner, to the Jewish people. They were lumped in the same group of people with prostitutes and murderers. In fact, the Jewish rabbis taught... That a tax collector, if you became a tax collector, you actually dishonored your family uh, for seven generations. Okay, you you were worse than than a dog. They they weren't even allowed to testify in court because you couldn't trust them. Uh, The Jewish people wouldn't use their money in the synagogue because it was considered dirty money. Now, and I'm gonna read the story in a minute, and you're gonna hear that. Zacchaeus was actually the chief tax collector. Now, what that meant was that he supervised. He, he basically had like a pyramid scheme, and he was on the top of the pyramid, and then there were other tax collectors beneath him. So not only did the Jewish people hate him, but the other tax collectors even hated him. Okay? That's how bad it was. Now, follow along as I read, and then we're going to make some, just some really simple points this morning that I think will help us today to open up our hearts and our minds and our outreach. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of God, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. I see three three things in this story that I want us to make note of today that I think can help us today open our hearts open our minds and change this world one life at a time number one Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus and Jesus was looking for him now let's just begin by stating the obvious there 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 obviously was something missing in Zacchaeus's life you know, that all the money, all the power, all the control, all the stuff could not provide. Something was missing. I mean, that's, that's why he, he ran ahead of the crowd. He climbs up a tree. I mean, that's not, that's not usual behavior for, you know, the powerful and the wealthy in any culture in any day and time. But this guy leaves all of that. He leaves his power. He leaves his money because he is searching for something something's missing you know he must have felt like just maybe you know maybe he had heard the stories maybe maybe he had he had heard about jesus's reputation of being a friend of people like him a friend of tax collectors of prostitutes of sinners he he maybe just maybe jesus could provide the very thing that had been missing in his life and and so my point is Whatever the reason, everybody here in this room today, we all know people who are searching. In fact, maybe that describes you today. Maybe you're here, and and it took a lot for you to get here today. You know, you didn't have to necessarily climb up a tree, but it took all that you had to come here today. And the reason that you're here... It's because you're hoping beyond all hope that there is something real, that something bigger than yourself that can meet that gnawing in your heart. Listen, we all know people today who are in search, and it doesn't matter what what label you put on it. They're in search of peace. They're they're in search of, of friendship. They're in search of hope. You know, that maybe there is something that's gonna fill that void in their heart, you know, and they've been trying to fill it with a lot of things and they they keep coming up empty. And even though many times they're not even sure what it is that they're searching for, here's the good news, Coastal. We know what it is. We know the answer. His name is Jesus. Now, here's the thing that scares me though, and this is part of the deal that that keeps me up when I think about that number is that and it 's this question: what was it that kept zacchaeus from from getting to Jesus now think about that for a second it wasn't you know his, it wasn't really his height or his own inadequacies you know in fact. If, if, as you read through the Gospels, you see the same exact barrier in the story about the four friends who bring their uh, paralytic friend to Jesus. Remember, they, they get him on a mat and they carry him to Jesus and they get to where the, the house where Jesus is, but they can't get inside. And, and the reason they can't get inside is because what? What's blocking them? The crowd. And so, of course, you know the story, right? They climb up on top of the roof. They dig a hole and lower their friend to see Jesus. And and I I, I see that story, and I see this story about Zacchaeus, and, and I realize it wasn't his disability. It wasn't his height. What was it that kept both people from getting to see Jesus? It was the crowd. It was actually this crowd of people who got in the way of other people finding Jesus. And my point today is this. I think the same thing happens in a lot of churches today. You know, we get so focused on us and our needs and our wants, and we start actually thinking that church is all about me. And we might not come out and say it like that guy several years ago that I met with, but we act that way. We forget that we're on a mission. We forget that there are people all around us, all every day, day in and out, who are hurting and truthfully are searching for something. And we become inwardly focused. Coastal, listen, our mission, it is to do anything short of sin to see people come to know Jesus. Our mission is to, throughout the week, to, to beat down the very gates of hell and rescue people one life at a time, to build relationships, redemptive friendships with people. Listen, sometimes some people who call themselves believers in some churches make it so difficult for people to get introduced to Jesus, we might as well make them climb a tree or dig a hole through the, through the ceiling. But lost people, hurting people, never get unnoticed by Jesus. In fact, Jesus calls this man by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to stay at your house today. Now, don't, don't miss that. See, here's Zacchaeus. He climbed a tree with the hopes, beyond all hope, that maybe, just maybe, I'll get to see Jesus, only to discover that all the while, Jesus was searching for him. You see, in a way, when you were saved, I mean, I I know the language that we use, and I understand it, but think about it this way. In a way, when you were saved, you you didn't find Jesus. He found you. Verse 10, what does it say? The Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost. Jesus is the one who is seeking. In a way, in a beautiful way, our salvation really is just the result of our discovery that he's been pursuing me. He's been calling me. He's been drawing you to himself. Listen, you're not here by accident today. God knew that you would be here. You didn't just happen to find us on the internet. You didn't just happen to get a card in the mail. You didn't just happen to get an invitation. The Lord of lords, the King of kings, the creator of all the universe, he has been drawing you to himself. Coastal, there are people all around us that are searching and Jesus is searching for them. And I love this. I think our job is simply to help make the introductions. That's our job. Listen, pray this week that God will open your eyes and it'll open your heart and you'll see people the way he does. You'll see people through his eyes. You know, why not today take your Connect card and on the back of it, on the prayer request, down there in the bottom, the lines, if you feel comfortable doing this, write down the name or names of people in your own life that God would have you invite. People that you're reaching out to. And all I can simply promise you is that our prayer team, our staff, our elders will join with you this week, praying for you and praying for them by name. Number two, Jesus spent time with them. Very simple, but very, very, very important. Jesus said, today... I'm gonna be at your house. You know, why does he do that? I mean, again, think about it, guys. This is a hated man. I mean, he is well known in the community. You know, he's a thief, an extortioner, a traitor. What business in the world would Jesus have being at his house? Don't you see? That's the point. That is his business. He said, this is why I came, to seek and save the lost, to reach out in love and acceptance and forgiveness to anybody and everyone who feels like you're beyond hope, who feels like you have sinned yourself into a corner. Listen, and, and, and then what, what's crazy is that while that's happening, you read that the crowd begins to turn on Jesus. And they're upset. They begin to complain. You know, who does Jesus think he is? He's going to the house of a sinner. Now again, the truth is, so many churches today and so many people who call themselves followers of Jesus are a lot more like that crowd than they want to admit. Why, guys? Why are we so quick to write off people when they don't measure up to our standards? Why? Why do we move so quickly to disassociate ourselves from the very people that Jesus sent us here to reach? Why do, we dis- why do we point fingers of judgment at the very people who are struggling and hurting and messed up? And listen to me, they are no different than you or me. We've just found Jesus and we've been forgiven. I'll tell you one reason why. Why? because we've yet to have the grace of God get fully rooted in our own hearts, because, man, we love God's grace when it comes to us and our story and our lives and our our screw-ups and our failures. But when it comes to other people, that's a whole different story. When it comes to the lost, the hurting, your coworkers your neighbors coastal listen if we're not willing to spend time with people who are lost and searching and hurting and go to their homes and have them in our homes and get involved in their lives and them in our lives then why don't we just admit That we really don't care about them at all. And that we're actually okay with them being a part of that 50,000. Number three, only Jesus truly changes people. Only Jesus truly changes people. Again, here's what I believe my job, your job, it's just to introduce people to Jesus. Because he's the only one that can change people. Now, I I, I wish I could have been at Zacchaeus' house that day. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. I wish I could have just heard what happened there. Because the Bible says simply that Jesus went to be with him at his house. Uh, You know, Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. Maybe they shared a meal together. You know, good food, good wine. and, And they're just talking and talking about life. And then at some point, you know, maybe Jesus says, Zacchaeus, tell me your story. What do you do for a living? And before he knows it, Zacchaeus is pouring out his heart to Jesus. And he starts confessing how he's been stealing from people. And and again, you really don't know exactly what happens. But all that we do know is that when everything was said and done... Zacchaeus was a changed man. Jesus had changed everything. Again, verse 8 says, "But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of everything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And it's interesting, he already uses the term Lord here. In other words, he's already saying, Jesus, you're in charge of my life. You're the boss. Lord, I'm going to give half of everything to the poor, and if I've ripped off anybody, I'm going to pay them back four times. Could you imagine receiving a 400% return on your taxes this year, accompanied by a letter of apology from the IRS? Okay, well, it's not going to happen, okay? But, you know, ooh, it's nice to think about. Um, but, you know, think about this. Before Zacchaeus had met Jesus, I mean, he was just a greedy SOB, he, 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 you know, but now he's generous, You know, before Jesus comes into his life, he's a cutthroat liar. Now he speaks the truth. Before he met Jesus, it was all about himself. And now it's about others in Christ. He once was searching. Now he's fulfilled. And that's that's true of your life and my life. Once we come to know Jesus, and I've seen it in so many of you, you know, everyone who turns their life over to Jesus is transformed by the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. He does that. Not me, not list of, of do's and don'ts. It's Jesus. That's why we point people to him. You know, it's interesting. Everybody else looked at Zacchaeus, and man, they saw a thief. They saw a sinner. They saw a contemptible little man. Man. And do you, this is hilarious. Do you know what the name Zacchaeus actually means? When they, when they would speak his name, you know what it means? Pure and righteous. Okay, that was like an ongoing joke. You know, it had to be. To everybody else, you know. And that, I mean, they, that was a joke. But when Jesus saw him, when Jesus met him, I think he, 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 saw, uh, he saw who he could become. He saw a man who could become pure and righteous. He saw a man who could become generous. I think the same thing is true today. See, some of you think that you're a joke. Some of you think your life is a joke and it means nothing to God. And you're here and you're barely here. And it, it was like climbing a tree to get here. And you think, I, I'm no good. I could never amount to anything. God could never do anything significant with my life. And let me tell you something. Jesus sees you today. He, he's calling you by name today. And he says, you can become who I created you to be. You are a child of the King. You, you, are, you are created by, by the heavenly Father. He knows your name and he knows who you can become. And that's our job. It's, it's to point people to him. Listen, at the tree that Zacchaeus had climbed up. You know, Jesus did not point a finger at him and say, Zacchaeus, you're a thief, you're a liar. Now, after you clean your life up and you pay back what you owe to these people, maybe, just maybe, you and I can talk and I'll come to your house. No, Jesus reached out in grace and in love and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. When you get to know me, you're going to see yourself in a different light and you're going to be transformed. Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. You have made mistakes. We all have made mistakes. We are all simply sinners. Jesus is here, and I want to tell you something today. He is not pointing the finger at you. In fact, Jesus climbed up a tree. He went there willingly. He allowed the Roman soldiers to drive nails into his hands and into his feet, and he looks at you today with open arms, and he says, come home. I see who you can become. Let's be friends, be changed, be transformed. Coastal, I hope that 50,000 number bothers you. I believe that with God's power and our willingness to be obedient, we could reduce that number. One life, one life at a time. And I have dedicated my life to do so. And I hope you'll join me. You know, maybe Zacchaeus is you today. And you are here. It took a lot for you to get here. But you're ready to come home. You're ready for Jesus to come into your life. And to be forever changed. It could happen right here and right now. What are you waiting on? You know, what really matters is the intent of your heart today. And that's the thing that that Jesus sees. Just like he saw into Zacchaeus. He sees into your heart today. Why not express those intentions in a prayer today? In fact, bow your heads and pray with me. Let's all pray together today. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe there is a. there are people here today, men, women, students who, who feel like they've made such a terrible mess of things and they have tried to fill that, that emptiness and that void with so much stuff and things and money and relationships and, and it keeps coming up empty and they're hurting and they're alone. Listen, if that That It all describes you today. Jesus climbed a tree for you. In fact, here's the truth. My sin, your sin, put him on that cross. He died to pay for your sin. He died in my place, in your place, out of love. And just cry out to him today and say, Father, thank you. I believe it. Not only do I believe you went to that cross for me, but your power and your love was so great that death could not contain you. And you exploded out of that grave and you are alive. And today, today, I believe, I put my faith and my trust in you and in you alone and what you did for me. And no longer am I going to try to Search for anything or anyone to fill that emptiness in my heart. No longer am I going to rebel or run away from you or push you you away. In fact, here's my declaration today, God. I want to follow Jesus. For the rest of my days, I am your disciple. I am your follower. Not to earn my salvation because I can't do that. I'm not that good but Jesus was. and He was for me. And so day by day, I'm just going to become more and more like you see me today, like your perfect, forgiven child. Thank you. Coastal, may we be the church that God has called us to be. May we never forget our mission. May we know that we're just here today gathering, sharing the gospel But we are the church, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day, we are the church. Loving, serving, giving, helping to make introductions to searching people and a searching Savior. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Hey guys, we're going to continue worship today. Continue gathering at the feet of Jesus at the cross uh, by taking the Lord's Supper. And uh, there are tables all around the room. At those tables, you'll find pieces of bread and cups of juice. And they are symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus. They are the, the, uh, the elements of this meal, the meal that Jesus himself started. He said, hey, do this in remembrance of me. I don't want you to ever forget what, what life is truly all about, what the, you know, the center focus of the church is all about, the, resurrect, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So when you're ready, when you feel prepared, you don't have to be a member of Coastal, but you can go to one of those tables. You can go alone and come back to your seat in prayer. You can go with friends and family and a group of people and pray together. Uh, If you do that, maybe just step off to the side and make room for others. But right now, whenever you're ready, let's take the Lord's Supper.